Good morning. You're listening to Byesville Assembly of God Church. We exist to be a place of connection to God and to others who believe in Jesus. We're glad you joined us today. We invite you to listen closely as our new lead pastor, Dustin Dykey, preaches the Word of God. Today we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 7, verse 51, is where we're going to start out in the English Standard Translation, English Standard Version. I encourage you as we read today to use either Bibles that you brought or Bibles that are directly in front of you. Also, we welcome those who are new to our church this morning. If you were here for the last few weeks, you understand that what I like to do is just give a little bit of briefing on the Bible for those who are new to the Bible, might be unfamiliar with it. So uh, we want to give you a few nuggets to help you out with that today. You'll find a list of all the books of the Bible in the index part in the front of your Bible. It'll give you a page number to turn to in order to find whatever book it is. So today we'll be in the book of Acts. And once you get there, the bigger numbers are the chapter numbers, and then you'll find smaller numbers in between. Those are the verse numbers. So if I say chapter number, and if I say Acts chapter 7, verse 51, that would be Acts big number 7, little number 51. If you have any questions, we can move forward with that and give you any answers you need at the end of the service. So this morning, we're starting a new series called What Is Your Name? We're going to be moving into this over the next few weeks here, kind of understanding more about this. But your name is so important because it describes who you are. What do parents do when a child is about to be born? They look up names to see which one they like best. Um, They might even look up the meaning behind the name as well. When we named our son Nehemiah, he's about 21 months old now, we named him Nehemiah after Nehemiah in the Bible. Because Nehemiah had been sensitive to the Lord in his desire to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He had a mission in his mind, but in his mission he sought the Lord to make sure that he was doing what God wanted him to do. And then after God gave him the go-ahead, he built the walls of Jerusalem in a very short time, in 52 days. We named our son Nehemiah because we believe that he will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as well. And we truly believe that through different things that we've seen in him so far that he truly is sensitive to the Holy Spirit already in many ways. You start a worship song and there goes hands. You know, he's ready. He's ready to worship. But we're believing that God will, that he will do whatever God lays on his heart to do and he'll do it with the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. So what is your name? What is your name? My name is Dustin. And if you looked at my name, you'll find that Dustin means brave warrior. I look pretty tough, right? So that's pretty fitting. Yep. Definitely fits. Now, fun fact that most people don't know about me is that I'm a black belt. And no, this does not mean that I'm making a joke about the fact that I'm wearing a black belt today. But I actually am a black belt in Taekwondo and took classes a while back to achieve this accomplishment. So don't mess with me, all right? You don't want to get me too mad. Might see my bad side, right? But our names are so very important. And typically, whatever our names are, it gives us meaning to who we truly are. If we look into Bible times, a lot of people changed their names to appropriately describe who they were. There were a few names that we'll be looking at over the next few weeks that help us understand more about this and really how important names are. But specifically this week, we'll be looking at a man named Saul. We'll be in Acts chapter 7 to start out. Now this fellow was a man who was completely against Christians and sought the imprisonment and sometimes execution of Christians in the early church. We see this in Acts 6 through 8. A great man of God named Stephen was serving God faithfully in the church, and some opposition arose against Stephen. They were trying to stop Stephen from talking about Jesus, but Acts 6 says that they couldn't stand up against the spirit that was inside of Stephen. 
Funny how that happens, doesn't it? When we have the Spirit of God inside of us, there's nothing that can come against us. Stephen continues on to talk about Jesus, but the men who were speaking against him convinced some others to lie about him, saying that he was speaking against God and Moses. So this obviously stirred up the people, and they began to speak other lies that got him in trouble. And Acts 7, verses 51 through 53 says this. <clears throat> this is Stephen talking to the people. Okay, he got a little bit mad. He says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, who you received the law as, as delivered by angels and did not keep it. So this obviously made them mad because Stephen was spouting out against them and all this happened. He said what he said and then they proceeded to stone him. And this is a very quick synopsis of his life, but understand this today, that Stephen lost his life that day. These were the kinds of things that Saul would do. It's recorded in Acts 8 that Saul approved of the death of Stephen, which is what's next here. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, devout men, buried Stephen and made them and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. He was completely against Jesus and sought to imprison and sometimes kill them. He was blind to the truth of Jesus. And Acts 9 starts out with Saul going to Damascus to imprison more Christians. But an interesting thing happens as he's on his way to Damascus that a light shone down from heaven around him and he fell to the ground. We'll pick up this story in Acts chapter 9 verse 3. It says, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. So Saul, having been imprisoning Christians and killing them, falls to the ground in the glory of what is taking place. And he heard Jesus Christ. Yes, the same Jesus that died on the cross for us, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Yes, that Jesus. Instead of Jesus bolting him with lightning, instead of afflicting him with pain, instead of reminding him the horrors of the sin of his past, he says, rise up, enter the city, and you'll be told what to do. Now, some people like to capitalize on other people's sins when they catch them in sin. They like to tell others what they found out about so-and-so and make them look bad. Maybe you've had someone in your life do this to you when you've been caught in sin. And my response to this is coming straight out of Matthew 7, 4 through 5 that says, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, church, we have to understand that we don't want to try and have the upper hand when you see somebody in sin and try to make yourself look better. If this is how we function as a church, to judge others right upon seeing them, that we failed as a people of God. God does the judging. We are called to make disciples of all nations. Not look at how bad all the nations are. Then tell them how awful they are, then condemn them to hell. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to do as Jesus did 
and love the unlovable, to plead with God that he would, and I quote from Luke 23, 34, forgive them for they know not what they do, Jesus said as he hung on the cross. So Jesus, here in this scripture with Saul, sees Saul in the act of sin, going to imprison more Christians, simply asks him to get up and go into the city, and he'll be told what he must do. Picking up the story here in Acts 7, Acts 9, verses 6, 9. Wow. Can I speak this morning, church? My apologies. Acts 9, verses 7 through 9. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. Hearing the sound but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Well, no wonder these men stood speechless. You're out on a walk with your leader, and he falls to the ground, right? And he starts talking to some voice coming out of the sky. This is a little odd situation here. But probably no one in this room can tell me that that's happened to them, unless God has actually performed this same miracle in your life, which is very entirely possible. However, they're speechless and begin leading Saul by hand, excuse me, by hand to Damascus. He's blinded. He's blinded for three days. He didn't have any food or drink. Then the Lord spoke to a man, a disciple, named Ananias, and told him to go visit Saul and lay his hands on him, that he would regain sight. Let's take a quick pause here. Saul was pretty well known for doing what he did to Christians. And Ananias knows about Saul and about this man that's killing Christians and imprisoning Christians. And I'm sure that he's saying, okay, Lord, I've heard of this man. Uh, This is not good, okay? (laughs) Do you know what you're doing, Lord, right? Uh, This guy, and it says here in Scripture that Saul was given the authority from the chief priest to bind up all who call on the name of Jesus. And Ananias is telling God this, right? This would be like someone in our church getting a word from the Lord that said, okay, Dustin, I want you to go to a country that is closed to Christianity, And I want you to talk to the leader of the military who's been killing Christians and just simply put your hand on his shoulder, okay? Simply just put your hand on his shoulder and tell him that that he can see now. Good Lord, no, who knows that I'd be saying, God, you've got some pretty good ideas, but that, that seems like a bad idea, right? Ananias is literally being thrown into one of the most dangerous situations that he's ever been called into. He didn't see Saul fall on his face on the way to Damascus. Ananias didn't see the whole story. So this is why, church, when God calls you to do something that sounds scary or doesn't make sense, you should probably listen to him. He sees the whole picture, right? God knew that Saul's heart was changed. Ananias did not know that his heart was changed. All he had was God saying to him, go to Saul, put your hand on his shoulder, let him know that he can see now. So God sees the whole picture. He knows. So when you have God asking you to do something, do it, right? When your car won't start and you need a jump, there very well could have been a drunk driver on the other side of the road that you didn't see coming, but God did. When your coffee spills on your shirt in the morning and you have to change your shirt, maybe you didn't check with your wife to make sure that your shirt matched and God's just doing you a favor. I don't really know. There could be many different situations that this could come into play. (laughs) But we must listen to God. He sees the whole thing. Acts 9, verses 15 through 16 says, But the Lord said to him, Go, he's talking to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my 
name. And it's in a moment that I read this scripture and I just say, thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to be a chosen instrument for your name. All of us in this church today who claim to be a child of God, God, we thank you for the opportunity to be a chosen instrument of your name. God, we are unworthy. We are not deserving. We are not perfect, but we are yours. And we say thank you. Picking up in 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. Now he's with Saul. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues saying he is the son of God. Immediately church, immediately, immediately he went from lost, imprisoning Christians, approving of the killing of Christians to change, set free a blood-bought chosen child of the king. This man was brutal to Christians, yet God saw his potential and softened his heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've seen this happen in real life. I've been changed personally myself. I had run from God. I got involved in a life of sin throughout my high school years. And then church, I knelt down before Jesus and I asked him to forgive me of my sin and he did. I went from guilty, doomed, lost, to forgiven loved and redeemed. And I also know people who have been hardened to the gospel in my own life who would have never believed in Jesus. And I've seen them changed, renewed, transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each of us who believe in Jesus at one time needed a heart change. We needed a softening of our hearts. And maybe some of us remember how God did that with us. Most of us, I'm sure, weren't thrown to, you, to the ground in your salvation experience. But this is what happened to Saul. God knows what each of us needs. God knows what each of us needs as we trust in him. A little later in Acts 13, 9, it says, But Saul, who was called Paul. See, Saul was known for killing Christians. Saul was known for his life of sin and despair. But instead of using his Hebrew name, Saul, he began going by his Roman name, Paul. And under his old name, he was defined by his sin, but he changed his name as Jesus Christ changed his identity. Understand this, church. When you ask Jesus to save you from your life of sin and death, your name is changed from sinner to saved, from guilty to guiltless, from bound by sin to freed by grace. So the question stands today. What's your name? What is your name? Paul's heart was changed. Paul's heart was changed. His heart was renewed. And maybe you've come to church today feeling defi defined by your past. Maybe you're doubting God or maybe even struggling with the thought of God existing. But here's the amazing thing about Paul. Paul went on to write a majority of the New Testament of the Bible. And this shows that no matter how far away you feel from God, no matter how far gone you think you are, there's hope for you. Many people believe that they've committed far too many sins to deserve God's grace. But today is the day where that perspective can change. Today is the day. I'm leaving a little time here at the end for 
a time, an, an altar call. And the call is this, that if you feel as though you keep getting beat down by the enemy and you keep believing a lie about yourself and you need your name to change to who Jesus says you are, you're going to have the opportunity to receive prayer today. Can we get some music playing softly in the background this morning? Thank you up there, guys. Give us that new name. Give us that new name. Yeah, but we're going to keep our regular name that we go by between people and at work and wherever else. But Lord, we're, we want to be redefined inside. We want to be redefined inside. So would you do that in our hearts today? And dear God, I pray as we close that you would protect us as we go. We pray, Jesus, that you would keep us safe on the roads as we go home today and wherever we go for lunch. Would you bless the food before we get there, Lord Jesus, and bring us back here safely when we return. We pray this in Jesus' name and the church said, amen, amen. Greet somebody before you leave today. God bless you. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Byesville Assembly of God. At our church, we exist to be a place of connection to God and to others who believe in Jesus. We're glad you joined us today. We hope you join us next time as we hear a powerful word from the Bible. God bless you and your family from all of us at Byesville Assembly of God.